0: Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know the Holy Ghost is a gift? For the promise is unto you, And unto your children, thank God for that, and to all that are afar off, that's generation after generation, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward or perverse generation. And then. And then they, that's important. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. How about that for a harvest? And here's our key verse. We'll continue from last week. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine And fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers, and fear did come upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, and all that believed were together, and had all things common. We're going to talk for just a few moments this morning on a subject entitled, When We All Get Together. When We All Get Together. Say that to your neighbor or somebody around you. Say, When We All Get Together. I'll do one of them little preacher tricks. No, that was a hater. Tell your other neighbor. When We All. (laughs) God, we love you. We feel you in this building. We set high expectation on your spirit and your anointing to do its work today. God, let your anointing that's resident in this room, because every time we walk in here, we feel you. It's a blessing to feel your manifest presence. And so, God, we're calling on that anointing today to do its work. Break yokes. Set the captive free. Bring healing to somebody's body. Bring healing to somebody's mind. Bring healing to somebody's soul today. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We want to hear from you let your anointing rest on me today deliver this word through me don't let my flesh inhabit this moment but God that your spirit would direct every moment in Jesus name we give you glory and praise in Jesus name amen put your hands together one more time and lift up a shout you may be seated When we all get together. You know, God's been doing some pretty significant things around here the past few weeks. Can I get an amen from somebody? He just decided out of nowhere that he was going to step in and interrupt the program. God's spirit has been at work. He dropped down a heavy mantle on this congregation to really step forward and step up. And beat back some uh, territorial spirits and principalities that have been bogging down God's people for some time in this area. All I just said to you is we're about to see a big harvest of souls in the kingdom. God is about to release you. He's about to release me. He's about to release us into some big promises, into the space that we've been waiting for. Many of you have been waiting on this moment to come for a very long time. As a matter of fact, some of you have even given up on the time coming. You just thought maybe it came and passed, but you've been waiting. And I just came by this morning to tell you we are almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. God has been up to something around here the past Few weeks. So, what I'd like to do this morning is just kind of pick up where we left off last week. Bishop Pitts came in here. It was great to honor Bishop uh, on last week, but the word that was dropped in this house was extremely prophetic and very challenging to all of us. I'm going to speak kind of fast today because I'm trying to get somewhere and I got a long way to go. And I don't want to be here till three o'clock. Two o'clock will do just fine. Um, I'm just kidding. We were presented with a prophetic challenge last week by Bishop Pitts that we need to shift and come up. That we need to shift and come up. The, the, the title of the message last week was, I can't, but we can. Come on, somebody say that. I can't, but we can. And we concluded the word in, in Mark chapter 2 with the story of the paralytic. The story of the man who was on the mat and four of his friends carried him to a house. And the key thing about this house is that the house was full and more than that that Jesus was in the house. Things happen when Jesus gets up in the house. Amen. Um, And so these men compelled to bring some kind of miracle or at least with the hope that a miracle could happen in his life Put their friend on a mat. They pick him up together and they carry him to this house. These men didn't know uh, what they would have to do when they got to where Jesus was. They just knew that they were trying to get him to Jesus. It would help a lot of us if we would just get people to Jesus. We may not even know what to do, but if we could just get them to Jesus, miracles happen. And so they decided they were going to get him there. And so they they walk him to this house, and when they arrive, they realize there's a lot more work to be done to get this man to Jesus than we had originally thought. And so they had to get creative and innovative in the way they brought this man to Jesus because there was no way to squeeze him in through the crowd. No way to squeeze him in through the crowd. So together, collectively, at least one had to make the decision, we're going to get him up on this roof and we're going to tear the roof off and we're going to get him to Jesus. But there was a key element the bishop dropped on us last week, and that is this, that all four men had to ascend at the same pace. They had to ascend or climb to the roof at the same pace. Pace. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, that he, was, that he forgave the man's sins and the man was healed. The man was healed. So they had to ascend at the same pace. And it was because of their faith that his deliverance, his salvation, his breakthrough... His first steps, so to speak, came to pass. And God challenged me with a question, a few actually. How many have been injured? How many have been delayed along the way because we didn't all go up together? How many missed their miracle? How many missed their blessing? How many missed their deliverance? Here's the key. How many missed their encounter with Jesus because we didn't go up together? See, a lot of people want to get up to the top first because that's what society will tell you to do. I'm going to get to the top come hell or high water. I don't need you to get there, but I'm going to get there. And the key to this miracle was that they all went up at the same pace. But thank God, thank God, they all went up together. They all went up together. When we all get together. See, life is a series of discoveries. Purpose is an unfolding revelation. Pastor Rick says it like this, purpose is a progressive revelation. Meaning this, that we don't happen upon purpose in a set moment. We happen on pieces of purpose in moments. But it does not all happen at one time. Because purpose and destiny, and we know this, are a process of discovery. Purpose is progressively revealed to us or expressed to us through time, pursuit, experiences, and here you go, relationships and relationships. Purpose is found in those moments. The interesting thing about purpose that I see is that when God inserts purpose into time in the book of Genesis... It kind of happens on this wise. God places Adam in the garden, and then he sets an assignment and an expectation on Adam. Side note, too many people are walking through earth ambiguously. Too many people are coming to church just to come to church. People are just saying they're Christians to say they have something to profess. Too many people come in the building just to appease conscience and they're not living under an assignment mandate that God didn't just you didn't happen to show up on earth no God sent you into this earth with an assignment with a mandate with an expectation when you live like that it changes the way you see things it changes your walk with the Lord it changes the outcome and the fruitfulness of your life So, when God places Adam in the garden, he places him in there with an expectation and with an assignment. But as he looks at Adam, even though he is made in his image, even though he is made in his likeness, even though he has an assignment and an expectation, he sees Adam with a deficiency. He sees Adam missing something. He's missing something because he's incomplete. And so God says, when he looks at him, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. Why was it not enough If God made him, if God breathed his spirit into him and gave him life, if God set him in his place of purpose, gave him his purpose, and gave him the instructions to carry out that purpose, why wasn't that enough for God? See, we, and I'm not going to spend time here because we spent a lot of time over the past two weeks on this, but we live in a consumer culture. We're all consumers. How can we get what I want? How can we get it fast? How can I appease the way I feel? What, what makes me feel good? I don't want an authority in my life. I don't need anybody with me. I can make it on my own. We live in a consumer independent place. Can you imagine how you would feel being Adam? You were made in the image and likeness of God. And God looks at you and says you're not good enough. Many of us look in the mirror and we say, I'm all I need. I'm going to make it. Just me and God. Well, that wasn't the case with Adam, and that's not how God started it. It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good. Why? Because God would be contradicting his own word if he did it otherwise. God would be contradicting himself if he did it otherwise because in Genesis chapter 1 when he actually forms man he looks at him and God says let us Genesis 1:26 let us make man in our image after our likeness why because God is not just one god he is the triune god Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about plurality because there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Buddha is not God. Hare Krishna is not God. Your New Age movement is not God. Your universalism is not God. Your atheism is not God. There is only one God, but that one God is three. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and we need them all wrapped in one And so when he makes man, he says, let, him, let us make him. Let us make him. Let us make him. And he realizes there's a deficiency here. Because I made him. I didn't make them. So it's not good for man to be alone. So he pulls, you know the story. He pulls the rib out. He forms the woman and she is suitable for him. So now he has a partner in purpose. All through scripture, you'll hear God say, I will be your God, and you will be my people. You will not be my person. You will be my people. Even Jesus, when he's challenged, what's the greatest command? And he says, to love the Lord your God, but wait, equal to this. In other words, just as important is to love your neighbor. As yourself. Why? Because you're going to need somebody sometime. You can't make it on your own. So when Jesus launches his ministry, he doesn't do it solo. He goes out and he finds 12 to walk with him. Because not even Jesus is going to do it alone. And when Jesus leaves, he gives us another mandate. Go sit in a room together. All together in a room. And wait for the promise that comes. Wait for it. Wait for it. But you all have to be together. You all have to be in one place and one accord and then I'll give it to you. And then I'll give it to you. And that's the thing about relationships. Most aren't willing to wait it out. Most aren't willing to wait it out. You get the promise but you're not willing to wait on the promise. It's a message for another day. We'll leave it alone. Because Here's the design of purpose. The design of purpose is to be joined with another purpose. Let me say it another way. Purpose is a cumulative enterprise. Purpose is a cumulative enterprise. It's a fancy way of saying they all work together. It's not your purpose and then your purpose. They work together. Together. They need one. For, for purpose to be realized, fulfilled, and even walked out, you need somebody else on your side. You need another purpose for it to join to. It's compounded upon one another to create the effect that God intends. You cannot even create the effect that God wants unless you're joined with somebody else. Ooh, that's a little heavy. So... We are not the body part of Christ. We are not the body part of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Yea, many members, but one body. Yea, many members, but one body. But we were all placed in particular as he pleased. Why? The reason it pleased him is because when you function in your purpose, the body functions properly. But when the hand is trying to be the head, we have an issue. What we have is a mutation and something that wasn't even created or intended to be in the first place. Too many churches look like mutants. Too many Christians look like mutants. Because you have not accepted the place that God placed you. He's more pleased in the place that you're intended to be than the place that you want to be. So when God sent us into the earth, he had the nerve to place our purpose among people. When he sent us here, he had the nerve to place our purpose among people, and he takes it just a little bit further, and he expects our purpose to partner with some of those people to accomplish its intent, but then he's not finished. Then he's not finished, because then he has faith that it's going to be fruitful. People, how's the song Oh, God is good, and people are crazy. There's a little stanza in there I left out. People are crazy, especially right now. No wonder we don't want to hook up with nobody. You're treading on glass, on ice when you're around somebody just to make sure you don't say something that might offend them or might be disagreeable to them. So it's all surface and facade and fake and 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 you even walk away thinking, man, this, this guy, that guy don't even. He crazy. He, yeah, he weird. He weird. Something off about him. We don't even know him. But God places us in the midst of people, expects partners, and then expects fruit. Here's why. Because faith, we know, comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Right? We know that. And to every man, Romans 12, is given a measure of faith. Faith. So what that tells me is that every one of us, before we got here, we were given a word from God. So if we have faith, if we were given a measure of faith, that means somewhere, whether eternity passed or when we got here. This may be a little deep, but whatever. We were given a word from God. So each of us carry that word, whether we're aware of it or not aware of it. That's the point, isn't it? To get people in the room so that they can become aware of the word that God has deposited on the inside of them anyway he has faith that will be fruitful because there's a word he already put in us and he knows that his word Isaiah 55:11, when it goes forth it doesn't return to him void but it accomplishes its purpose and it prospers in the thing for which he sent it right so if all of that is true all of that is true then when my faith my word the word he put in me hooks up with your faith and the word he put in you man anything can happen in that moment That's why when Mary walks in a room and Elizabeth is there and she's pregnant, that's her cousin, and she's pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary walks in and little fetus, little alive fetus, little alive fetus, Jesus, walks in the room. There's another baby in another stomach that leaps. Why? Because purpose found its partner. Somebody say when we all get together. When we all get together, Acts 2. So in this moment in Acts chapter 2, they had already experienced the upper room. As a matter of fact, this is right after that. They, they all are together, and they all stumble out drunk, you know, or, or seemingly drunk in the Holy Ghost. And Peter does what he knows to do, what he saw Jesus doing. And he begins preaching life. And many are saved. And the key here, or where I want to focus based on where we are as a body, is this this little section right here in verse 42. They continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. The word continued steadfastly, those two words in the Greek in this translation here, literally means to continue all the time in a place. Look it up for yourself. To continue all the time in a place. To persevere and faint not. We know a little bit about that. To show oneself courageous. If there's ever been a time for Christians to have courage, it's right now. To be, con- to be in constant readiness for, meaning you're in position to take the field when it's your turn. You may have been the backup the whole time, but there's going to be a moment when you're expected to be ready. What's his name? Caleb Williams, is that the man's name? He was the backup. Everybody thought Spencer Rattler was going to win the, the Heisman this year. But when his moment came, he was ready. Man missed half the season. They already talking about giving the man the Heisman. That's just crazy. Sorry, but he's doing a good job. They continued. The root, the root word for continue means to have the advantage. To have the advantage. So let's talk about it. They continued in it. They continued in it. They continued in what? They continued in four things. And this is, we'll go through these four things, and then we'll be out. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship. In breaking of bread and in prayers. In the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, I'm not gonna go in order, but we're gonna just kind of rummage around in all these four things. So let's start where I think we should, which is the last thing. They continued steadfastly in prayers. What happened to prayer? What happened to praying? What happened to having, I don't even hear this no more, having a personal relationship with God? What happened to spending time with God outside of just being at church? What happened to having a quiet time? When I was coming up, that's what they called it, a quiet time. Or some called it having devotions. But everybody had a time. It was usually in the morning where you got up and you spent a designated time with God. That's that's like foreign language. You know why? Because people don't even know how to pray anymore. There's a whole generation that doesn't even know how to speak to God. They don't even know how to identify God. 70% of born-again Christians say that Jesus is not the only way to get to. To, to heaven hold on 70% of Christians are saying that right now much less know how to pray you know God longs to be with you God longs to spend time with you this isn't even the part I want to spend on this particular point but I just want to share it with you so that there's at least some head knowledge about it First Thess- Thessalonians 5.16 pray without ceasing it literally means continually walk with the Lord Continually walk with him. First Chronicles 16:11. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Ephesians 6 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers. That means there's many different kinds. Nowadays we just know about prayer requests. What are we going to request from God? What can we call on Him to do for us? Why? Because it's a consumer mentality. We're not trying to get to know Him and get, so we can better ourselves. We're trying to see what He can do for us. All kinds of prayers. Job twenty-two twenty-seven. 27. You will pray to Him and He will hear you. Yeah. James five thirteen. If anyone among us is in trouble, let him pray. Yeah. Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. You know why people aren't faithful in prayer? Because they're not faithful at anything. They'll give up because they just they didn't hear God, so they didn't read something that it was to their liking, so I'm not going to pray no more. It's just like going to work. I can get a welfare check or, 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 or some kind of unemployment check, so I'm not going to work. But if I have an expectation that somebody's going to do for me, and if they don't do for me, then I can't be around them. Do you know God wants more than just to do for you? You can't even get to a space of understanding what purpose is in your life until you spend some time with God. If you're made in his image and in his likeness, then you better get to know him or you'll never really know yourself. Luke 18, 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in Matthew that his house shall be called a house of prayer, which is why I want to shift this idea for a minute because um, as I studied this word prayers, I really wanted to know what kind of prayer because there are many different kinds of prayers. And so I wanted to know what kind of prayer is, is the apostle talking about here when he said that they continued vastly in prayers. And I was shocked to find out that the word prayers in the Greek literally means a set place for worship. A set place for worship. They didn't even call it church then. They called it prayer time. We're going to go have prayers together. A set place for worship, not just supplications, not just petitions, but a set place. There has to be a difference in your life. There has to be a difference with this place and every other place. I'm going to say that again. There has to be a difference between this place and every other place. There has to be a distinction between your church and just every other entity you walk into. The advantage of the early church was this. They had a set time to gather, and they always kept the appointment. They had a set time to gather, and they always kept the appointment. The reason why is because they knew in those gatherings there was a lot of power released, there was miracles released, and they knew that they were going to be equipped to bring more people into the body of Christ, which is the purpose to begin with. Which is the purpose to begin, in this generation, the church has just been relegated to another place. It's just another place. It's just another place we go. It's just another thing we do. That's not what church is. When I was The way I was taught coming up, this is the most important institution that you set foot in all week long. Not the church house. I mean, not the schoolhouse. Not your house. Not the Capitol building. Not the White House. Not any other. Not the courthouse. This is the most important institution you set your foot in all week long. Why? Because this is God's house thought I'd get a little more amens than that. And the reason why I didn't is because we've relegated this to just another place. The church is a refuge. It's a beacon of hope. This is where we allow the hope of the Lord to be just, in, just imparted and given freely to people who need it. We can't do it out there but we can sure fish for them and bring them in here. They continued steadfastly in prayers. And, you know, I I was thinking about that. I live in Newcastle, and the way I come to church a lot of times is down the uh, 9, down 9 to 35. So I pass the casino every time. And then there's the bridge, right? When I come north, there's the bridge. Was that, the Canadian River? Um, and so when I do, I, I've lived here, I've lived there almost three years, and I'm, I've been blown away that every single time, and I'm not exaggerating to you, for those of you that live, I'm not worried about it, that I, there's somebody walking either over that bridge or away, but they're all either going or coming, the people walking. They're walking over the bridge that goes over the Canadian River, either away from or toward the casino. They're in, it could be freezing outside. It could be raining. Tornadoes coming down the alley. They're walking. Or they'll have their bike. Seen a few with the bike. Those of you that live that way, you know I'm telling the truth. Why? Because there's some kind of hope in them. That when I get there, it might be my jackpot. The, the bells might go to ringing for me this time. Because I don't see a way out of my condition. So I got to go gamble for it. It's, an, it's a, a misaligned, the, it's the right ingredient, it's hope. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. The reason people don't walk to church anymore is because they don't see the fulfillment that they used to. We have a bunch of people gathering, but they're not in prayers. They're not in God's face. They're not coming together in one accord with some kind of expectation that he's going to drop down in that room and somebody can get delivered. They continued steadfastly in prayers. They continued steadfastly in breaking of bread. And I won't spend a lot of time here. But it simply means relationship. Bread is always a symbol of life in Scripture. They shared their lives with one another. They didn't just share a meal. It was was bigger than that. It was not superficial. It wasn't a, a smile in your face and walk on. It was much deeper than that. We broke bread together. Why? Because we shared our lives together. It wasn't about just spending time. It was deeper than that. It wasn't about that. Not everybody in this room is going to be your friend. You're not going to be able to spend time with everybody in this place. Matter of fact, you may not spend time with many of the people here, most of the people here. The, perp- the, the, the point is this, that we're all part of this family, and so when we gather When we have a fall festival or a QuestCon country or we're doing something, we're doing it under the same purpose. We're trying to bring people to a hope that they're missing. Relationships, we know this, are the currency of the kingdom and the network of life. They're They're what build the value system of the kingdom. And there are two kinds of relationships in your life. There are assignments and there are Attachments. The assignments God gave you to help enhance and and, and advance your purpose. Those attachments are sent there, assignments of the devil, to drain you and pull away from that purpose. Too many of us are assigning and connecting with people we should never be connecting with. We're breaking bread or sharing our life with folks that should never have it. They should never have that life. They should never be having that piece of your heart. And you're wondering why you're walking through life with deficiency. It's because you're partnered up with the wrong folks. The the, the agenda of the enemy is to break you apart. He doesn't want you breaking bread. The, 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 The agenda of the enemy is to break you apart. He doesn't want you breaking bread. They continued steadfastly in breaking bread with one another. The key to relationship is consistency. I'm just going to say this and move on. Don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on the assignments has placed in your life. We have too much running away and walking away. We need some more loyalty in the body of Christ. Don't give up on your church. They continued steadfastly. In breaking of bread, and then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This is, sim- this is real simple. It's his teaching, it's the word and his teaching, or it's teaching and preaching. The apostles' doctrine. Verse forty-one says that they gladly received his word. They gla- it was like they were joyful about it. They were expectant of it, and they received his word. See the power of the apostles' word is this. What is an apostle? An apostle is literally one sent. Right? Uh, uh, I think Pastor Rick talked about it last week, and Bishop Pitts talked about it on Sunday. So I won't spend a lot of time explaining what an apostle is, but an apostle is someone that is sent. It's, a, it's an envoy from God that is sent into your life. The root word is literally proton or, or the positive force in an atom. They have a way of bring or piercing through or breaking through things. So when God assigns an apostle to your life or sends an apostle into your region. It's for the purpose of breaking back strongholds, which are mindsets, and beating back principalities and powers and rulers in the heavenly realms that are keeping you oppressed and you don't even know it. So when God gives you an apostle, it, he is sent specifically to hear from God for you. A lot of us don't want to hear that because pride creeps in and pushes that back because i don't need nobody hearing from god for my for me i can hear from god for myself but that's not the truth god sent pastor rick because he knows how to study the word he knows how to really go after god and he's employed to do it specifically for all of us No matter who your man or woman of God is, that's who God sent into the earth to deliver his word for you. It's tailor-made for you. That's why when he rebukes you, it hurts. That's why when he preaches hope, it invigorates you. That's why when he preaches life, you get on fire. Why? Because God sent it for you. Jesus said that the sheep know their shepherd's voice. The sheep know their shepherd's voice. How many of you can testify that you've come in this building and a message has gone forth across this pulpit and you're like, did he really hang out in my living room this week? What in the world is going on that he knows all this mess about me and I ain't never had a conversation with him? I don't need, I'm sorry. I don't need another preacher. Hate to say it, but preachers come a dime a dozen. I don't need another preacher. I don't, need, I don't need to watch another TV show, or to, and ain't nothing wrong with listening to other preachers, and there ain't nothing wrong with watching TVN, and there ain't nothing wrong with none of that. It all edifies the spirit, but I don't get my word from another person. My shepherd has the, I know my shepherd's voice. I know his voice, so when he speaks, I know it's for me. We don't like hearing that preaching in this generation because we want to assimilate it with some kind of cultic activity. And that is the farthest thing from the truth. God sent voices into this earth for us, and we need those voices. Just a week ago, we talked about a spirit that likes to cut off the prophets or the voice of God. And that's what this generation tries to do. I don't need another pastor. I need my shepherd's voice. They continued steadfastly in the apostle's doctrine, your shepherd's voice, side note. Uh, stop assuming that when a scripture is read that you know uh, that you know where the preacher's coming from today. When you come in the building ready to receive a word, he could be coming from John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all think that that's just a, a verse of scripture that is used for salvation. You don't know that he might be coming in here to talk about how everlasting life is perpetual life, which is also the same thing as abundant life, and he wants to see you live in that abundant life, and you have to accept Jesus Christ into your heart so that you don't perish on this earth. It's not just about the sweet by and by I'm telling you don't make assumptions when God sends his man in with a word that you think you know the apostles doctrine is given for the building of faith and according to Ephesians 4 to equip us to do the work of the ministry another way to put that is to equip us to walk in and walk out the purpose and assignment for our life you can't hear the word or the doctrine or the, or, the, or the preaching if you're not close enough to hear it. You cannot hear it if you're not present to hear it. You cannot hear it if you don't respect it. You can't hear it if there's too much noise around you that you can't decipher what's being said. You can't hear it if there are voices that contradict it. Make an evaluation of your life. Are you continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine? Okay. Okay. Let's finish right here, and in fellowship, and in fellowship, and in fellowship. It literally means, uh, in the Greek, uh, community or communion. Another definition is joint participation, joint participation. There's a difference between being a part of the crowd and being in communion or in community there's a difference between being part of the crowd and being in communion or with community uh, common union communion common union two words we're common union and first corinthians 11 24 this is my body which is for you right yeah. do this in remembrance of of me, remember to remember to member again, to put the members back together or to put the members back in the right place. When we come into communion one an, with one another, it's when we're functioning and operating in our optimum potential because we're all in the right place doing the right thing. It's when we've all been assembled and put together, we've repaired the breaches, we've broken up the gaps, there's no more ways for the enemy to slip in because we've come together come together, joint participation, this is a joint effort, I, I, I don't have what you have, you don't have what I have, but I need what you have, and you need what I have, and when we put those haves together, there's no telling what can happen, because there's so much faith and unction, and synergy, and energy, that, see the trick of today is to say that we're all the same, or all of them are the same, and that's not necessarily true, yes, we're all equal, we're all equal, but we're not all the same we're not all the same. Some of us have one talent. Some of us have two talents. Some of us have five talents. Doesn't mean that you're better than me and I'm better than you and this, that, and the other. No, just means that you have more talents than I have. That means I have more work to do because the five talent person increases it. The three talent person increases it, but the one talent person likes to hide it. And really the one talent person can become a five talent person if he just increases his talent. Well, how does he increase his talent? He takes his talent and he gets together with a five talent person who knows how to turn it into more talents. But we're too proud because we want to do it on our own. See, the beauty of the field is that all the flowers are different colors. They have their uniqueness, but together they're gorgeous. Right? The beauty of the church is not you. It's not me. It's the diversity of purpose that God inserts into the church and intertwines with his people. See, we all have different backgrounds. We all have different ethnicities. We all from different socioeconomic uh, uh, backgrounds or places. We're all we have these diversities among us: different callings, different experiences, different things about us. But the, the different ages. But at the end of the day, we have one agenda, and that's to advance the kingdom of God. And because of that, we can get together. We can get together, and they were all in one, a pla- one place. And in one accord, and God released his spirit. God released his spirit because they were all in one place and in one accord. And it's an interesting word, the word accord, because it's a Greek word that is it's used sparingly in the Bible. And of the 12 times that this word is used in the Bible, 10 of them are in reference to Christian community or Christian fellowship. 10 of the, the word accord is in, in reference to Christian community or fellowship within the book of Acts. It's a compound word that means to rush along or hurry up right? To rush along or, and, and to be in unison. So it's, it's two, it's a compound word. It's two words in one. It's to hurry up and to be in union. And the connotation here is this. When we all get together, we all get to advance. When we all get together, God elevates us all at one time. When we all get together, it opens up the door for us to progress, not only in purpose, but in our life. Can I get an amen? See, the disciples had strife with one another. How do I know that? Because they argued with one another about who was the greatest. Who is the greatest? They had strife with one another, but they knew how to put those disagreements aside and focus on what God gave them. He gave them a word Go, gather, and wait. Go, gather, and wait, because greater works shall you do than me you mean to tell me that I'm going to do more miracles than you, Jesus? Yes. Why? Because purpose is a cumulative enterprise. It's not just Jesus doing the work. He was an expression of what an example. He was a model of what the expectation was. I want all of you to go out and do this. Why? Because I want you to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Not one apostle, multiple. Why? Because there's many purposes, but they all come together as one. When we all get together. When we all get together. See, this is a formula that God gave us that not even he can mess up. The only way he can mess this formula up is if he causes divisions. Give me an example. Genesis 11 We're building the Tower of Babel, and everybody was speaking the same language. They all had the same goal. They were in fellowship, and when we all get together, there's nothing we can't do. Even God said it in verse. Where did He say it? In verse six of chapter eleven, the Lord said, "Behold, the people are one. They have one language, and this thing they begin to do." Nothing can be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So he sends divisions. Why do you think the New Testament rebukes people who cause divisions so much? Because when God's people get together and they begin to speak the same language, the agenda of heaven can happen. It can happen without restraint. Doesn't matter what the government decrees, doesn't matter what's happening in society, doesn't matter what culture says, doesn't matter the craziness on the outside. When the people of God come together, anything can happen in their midst. Anything, anything can happen. Not even God can stop what can happen in that moment. Why? Because that's how He created it. That's how he created, you know, the word, the word fellowship, and I'm not, not going to be graphic, but I want you to know this. If you really dig into this word, it doesn't just mean community and communion and joint participation. If you really dig down to the base of the word, what it truly means is intercourse. That's what it truly means. And listen, it's not about having an an intimate relationship with somebody like that. It's not like that. It's what intercourse produces. When a man and a woman get together, they produce a child. When when you come into fellowship in the truest sense, those purposes get intimate with one another. And what they produce. That's why when we come together. I, I, I used to like that old song. When we all get together. What a day. You know, we used to sing that like we're going to get to the sweet by and by. But the reality is when we all get together in this place, what a day of rejoicing that should be. Why? Because we'll all see Jesus and somebody can sing and shout a victory. Because when we get together on this space, that's why it's so important when the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Why? Because when we all get together, that's when a drug addict gets de- re- delivered from drugs. When we all get together, somebody walk in here crippled, walks out in here straight. When we all get together, somebody with a broken heart gets mended. When we all get together... My prayer this morning, as I was preparing this word, was I felt I really wanted to come in here and preach like um, like God's about to bless you. That's <laughs> what I really wanted to preach. But you know the reality of it is your blessing is wrapped up in the person you're sitting next to. Because when we all get together. There is not just a blessing, but there is a commanded blessing. Psalm 113, Behold how good and pleasant it is. When brethren dwell together in unity, it is like the oil. He compares it to the anointing. When the people of God get together, God's anointing pours out in that space And as it trickles down from the head, even to the beard and the collar and to the hem of the garment, it gets to a place where God has to command a blessing. It doesn't have a choice. The blessing is in the space because there's no choice. The blessing has to happen. You can't even hide from the blessing. You can try to deny it all you want, but it's commanded. It's decreed because when the people, when we all get together...